This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we journey further in Ruth with pious Boaz. Boaz meets Ruth. Ruth learns Boaz is a redeemer, Naomi's instructions, and Ruth's plea. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, our Father,
Chapter 9. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out 
by anything but prayer. O Lord, have mercy upon us. I believe. Help my unbelief. Startling words for me always when I read them. Not sure I can say them myself, although I know it's true. I remember 40 years ago. My classmates can tell you that is the year in which we graduated from seminary and ultimately were ordained into the ministry. Back in those days, I'd look at these pastors with gray hair who had been out there all these years, these veterans of the cross, and I'd just be absolutely in awe. And in my mind, I thought, they never have had a doubt. Look at them. Look what they've done. God has brought them through all this stuff, whatever it might have been, that these veterans of the cross would never add the words, help my unbelief, when they speak the words, I believe. And I prayed that someday I might have that kind of faith, that kind of strength. But the ministry teaches you a lot of things that we cannot teach you here at the seminary. Among this, these things, that this sacred vocation has taught me that faith can and will be challenged, and that this has been and is now and will be true for every generation. The roster of pastors and deaconesses is not filled with perfect people. Rather, it is filled with flawed men and women who share a common humanity. That precious gift of faith that has brought them here and strengthened them doesn't ever depend upon us. It's all about the one who gives faith. It's all about the one who reaches to us in our human weakness even in our doubts and vulnerability, so that we are driven finally to his promise, even when our faith seems the weakest. It's only when we despair of ourselves, despair of being able to endure through our own strength of faith, that we find that the only true source of faith has been there all along. Peter, James, and John had just gone to the mountain with Jesus, and there they had seen him transfigured. There they saw him conversing with Moses and Elijah. There they heard the voice say, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And they had gone down the mountain, and there is this crowd waiting, a crowd that had heard about Jesus and his disciples, a crowd that certainly knew that Jesus' ministry had been also one of healing the ill. It had been one of casting out demons. And then a father, a very desperate father, comes up to Jesus because he has a son, a son that is foaming at the mouth, that falls down rigid, a son that even tries to throw himself into the, into the water and the fire and nobody had been able to help this boy. It had been happening his whole life. And this father, perhaps based upon the testimony of what the disciples had been able to do when Jesus sent them out to proclaim the gospel, when he sent them out to heal the sick and cast out demons, they had done it. They heard this, or he heard this, and he thought, these disciples can do it, but guess what? They couldn't. And so this father runs up to Jesus, I imagine bursting through the crowd to get to Jesus. 
and to tell him about his son. And he was a bit skeptical. You notice his words? If you can do something, anything, have compassion on me and my son. And Jesus responds, all things are possible to one who believes. But this father had cried out then with such, such an incredible honesty. He says, I believe. But then he adds, help my unbelief. Jesus had cast out demons for many people. He had confronted Satan time after time. He had met Satan in the wilderness and there defeated him. He had met Satan as Satan and his demons possessed human beings loved by God, and every time he had defeated them. But you see, people saw that, but there's a lot more to this Jesus than their eyes could see. Because here in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the incarnate one, veiled in human flesh is the eternal God, the God who created all things, the God who sustains all things, and the God who redeems all things. Without knowing it, you see, they were actually like eyewitnesses to this coming of the kingdom of God. We're in the presence of Jesus, it's all there, and nothing evil can stand before him, whether it's illness, whether it's the devil himself. He is the Almighty One. I think here in our context of a seminary, it's often difficult, to be honest. We've had a place filled with professors, a place filled with seminarians, a place filled with deaconess students. And here, at least when I was a student, I always thought the only thing you're allowed to say is, I believe. Never express what's deep inside of you sometimes, that unbelief, that doubt, that comes even into the life of the most devout Christian. You and I may want to hide all that from everybody else. We may want to hide our weakness of faith from those around us and even from ourselves because it seems that the unspoken secret of an imperfect faith makes us different from anybody else. But the truth is, look around this chapel. It's filled with people like you, like me. You're not the only one. We can fool others, though, but we can never fool the Lord. He came because he knows fallen humanity and all of our weaknesses. He knows that we are so curved in on ourselves that we can't see outside of ourselves. And so we look inside ourselves to find what we need. And it's not there. He's one who lives with a faith that never wavers, never doubts, never coexists with unbelief. In our despair, the perfect Son of God lives for us. And then we hear again, we once again are engaged with that old story, the one we've heard our whole lives of a God who is incarnate, of a God who has loved us, a God who takes upon himself our weaknesses 
And as Jesus goes to that cross, all of that is placed on him. And he cries out for us what should be our cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cries out, it is finished. And then he enters into our death, into our tomb. And then he descends into hell, our hell, but not to suffer. This is his glorification. He comes down and he announces to the prison, the spirits in prison, the good news of the gospel. And then on the third day, what happens? He rises again, leaving Satan in the dust, leaving Satan away from him. This is the Christ of Easter, the one who broke the bonds of sin, death, and hell for all of you, for all of me, for me. That means several things. It means Jesus calls you. Yes, he does. But he calls you to a life that's different. Not one that's perfect. Not one that you will not have those doubts and struggles. But one that is lived in the new life that he's given to you. All of that weakness was placed upon the Lamb. And here's the other side. All of his perfection was credited to you. He was there. He was there in the baptismal waters. He's been there in your darkest moment when you thought he had nowhere to turn, nothing, that nothing could help. He was there. He was there as you came to whatever altar you've come to, present for you there. He's the one who takes ordinary water and makes it a baptism. He who takes ordinary bread and wine and feeds his people with himself, with his grace, with his truth, with the life that we need. And all the time, he is in heaven interceding for us. Every moment of your life, your Savior prays for you. You're going to have those moments of doubt. I'm not going to ask my classmates how often that's happened to them, but I'm pretty sure it has. And it will be for you too, but guess what? That doubt is overcome, not by you, but by the Christ who has loved you, who has redeemed you, the Christ who has that perfect life of faith that is now yours. And he'll be there with you to get you to that moment. Till you become one of those wise old pastors, and I imagine also a wise old deaconess, who will be able to encourage another generation to look forward, to look to Jesus, and to him alone. And he will bring you through every shadow of death, every shadow of doubt, and bring you into his glorious light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
In our prayers, we pray for Mariana Stefan, grandmother of seminarian Sergio Trifa, as she suffers complications from her cancer treatment. I cry to you, O Lord. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. My mouth is filled with your praise. Every day I will bless you. By awesome deeds you answer us and with righteousness. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. He redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you know we live in the midst of so many dangers that in our frailty we cannot stand upright. Grant strength and protection to support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Lord, you are the great physician of soul and body. You chasten and you heal. Show mercy to your servant, Mariana. Spare her life and restore her strength. Even as you gave your son to bear our infirmities and sickness, deal compassionately with your servant and bless her with your healing power. We commit her to your gracious mercy and protection through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father. life.